Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Palin Thing Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yakgadget, for all your fine quality kayak fishing accessories. Go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. And the 153 Bait Company for all your hard and soft bait needs. Go to the153angler.com. So join with me as together we dive into the tips and techniques that will help make us better anglers out on the water. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I am your host, Sean Lavery. And uh, tonight we have uh, the return of the queen. I'd like to welcome back Susie Q, Susie Roloff, the outdoor woman, back to the Paddle and Fin Noobs show. Welcome back, Susie. Thanks for having me, Sean. Welcome, everybody. Always a pleasure. So it's been a hot minute since you've been on the Noobs show. Um, so I wanted to take a moment and uh, catch up with you and see, you know, what's new in the world of Susie. Yeah, it, it definitely has been a minute. I'm trying to think of the last time I was on the Noob Show. Uh, but uh, yeah, it has been a hot second. But, uh, you know, there hasn't been really a whole lot going on in the world of Susie lately as far as like fishing-wise goes. Um, everything uh, in, around me, you know, Banner Marsh and Spring Lake, which are my closest lakes, uh, closed off to uh, fishing for um, waterfowl season. So, um yeah, my last day out on Banner was, gosh, was it like a month ago now? Something like that? Yeah, it's kind of depressing. Uh, yeah, it was like the 17th of uh, October was my last day on there. And uh, it was actually a really good day. Um, I did, I was able to capture some uh, pretty good footage of my last day on there um, with uh, some of the baits that we're actually going to be talking about today. Um but uh, yeah, other than that, um, as far as what I've been up to, um, not a whole lot. Working on some house projects um, 
hopefully getting my she shed going a little bit this winter too. Um, that's been uh, a little bit of a, uh, a drag this year is not having that all set up. Uh, hence why I'm in the basement again. Um, but uh, my goal is to eventually get my uh, studio and work area and everything set up out there. So a uh, couple winter projects, you know, uh, working with that. And then um, definitely going to be cleaning up my gear here soon. I haven't made the move of anything yet because I'm still kind of in that transition phase of, Am I just going to keep it where it is now, or am I actually going to be able to move it into my type of thing? So, um, but uh, yeah, things haven't been, uh, you know, too lively. Um, so yeah, just been kind of chilling and thinking about next year too. So does your your season ever open up back again, or once you it closes for waterfowl, you're done? Yeah, pretty much. Um, sometimes I'll go to. Um, Argyle Lake, which is in Colchester, Illinois, uh, the third weekend in October for trout fishing. Um, but I didn't this year just with some uh, other plans and time constraints and whatnot. Um, I haven't been there in a couple of years, um, just, you know, with, you know, tournament schedules and other things going on. But usually when it comes to like kayak fishing, I usually do kind of end my season around that time, just because if I do want to go anywhere it's probably over an hour drive just to go somewhere that is open and that does have uh, decently good fishing. So, gotcha. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, that's kind of sad, but uh, I, I mean, it allows you to start organizing things and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, start thinking about, you know, next year and all that stuff. I, I kind of, my, I don't put my kayak up until I absolutely have to. Um, <laughs> and uh, with, with the, uh, Using my dry suit, I still, I think I still have a little bit of ways to go. I'm oh, hoping nice. to fish a few more times uh, at least before I, you know, put the put the kayak up to the rafters and you know get my snowblower a little ready to uh, <laughs> see some action. So, right. <laughs> so cool. Well, um, I know uh, you mentioned your last trip out. You uh, you got to use some of the the baits. I think we're going to cover tonight. Uh, but I, you, you kind of gave me a list of what you think uh, you know really well. And I know there's definitely some that um, one thing I haven't talked about and one thing I've talked about a bunch because it's one of my favorite things to throw. Uh, but so we'll start off with the one that I don't know much about. Um, I had to even ask Susie before the show if what I thought was uh, that uh, Laura was right. And uh, she told me that I did. So I do have a few of them. I've never really used them, but uh, we're going to start off with swim jigs. That's right. So a swim jig, what technically qualifies like as a swim jig? So you think of a jig, you know, with a hook on it and it's got a head to it, you know, and you just swim it. So hence, you know, the name swim jig. So make uh, it sounds so simple. <laughs> it does. You know, you don't have to be very complicated with it, you know. Um, some of them come, you know, with skirts, some of them just come uh, without a skirt that you can swim just as like a swim bait type thing. Um, and that's kind of like a loose term that a lot of people will use. They'll be like, you know, I caught it on a swim bait or a swim jig. Sometimes those terms do get used for the same thing, um, whether it is actually a swim jig or like a swim bait. Um, so, but specifically for this topic, we are doing the swim jig. So it is the, the weighted head 
with the skirt and then it's got the uh, the trailer on the back of it as well so when it comes to uh presenting the swim bait there's uh two different ways um that i usually rig it up and the first way is uh shown here so i've got like just a rage tail on the back of this one and this is just like the regular um uh, four inch one i believe it is uh, this is like the green pumpkin purple color or green pumpkin with like the purple flake. And then um, the brand of swim jigs that I actually use is um, I have a guy up in Rockford, Tim Hamilton, with uh, Bassett Bates. And uh, he'll make me any color under the rainbow uh, when it comes to these. He has like hundreds of different skirt materials. He can paint the heads any color. Um, I had him make me some of these. Uh, for, uh, you know, springtime fishing because that, uh, that fire crawl red is usually pretty good. And then uh, this one right here, too, I had him custom make for me. It's kind of like a like a darker bluegill color. Uh, okay. It's got like a black head and then the skirt's kind of, uh, it's mostly green pumpkin, but there is a little bit of blue in there. That's usually my uh, specialty that I like to use. That and looks then, pretty uh, sweet. Yeah. And then, um, of course, I also have him make me up oh, where are they all at here we go i usually have about four or five just like regular white ones as well because you know trying to match that hatch with the shad color and then uh bluegill colors as well so um but yeah so yeah the main way that i usually rig them up is with either a rage tail or uh usually this one works pretty good for me in the spring because i'm swimming it a little bit slower is uh i'll have a uh, like a paddle tail bait so this is a um a kitek uh, tail on the back of this one and uh you can kind of get creative with the size of kiteks that you use on these this one's you know a pretty a bigger profile you can go a little bit smaller you can even go a little bit bigger just kind of depends on um, you know, your preference, how fast you're actually uh, going to be retrieving it, and also like the weight that you're using on it as well. With a lighter head, you'll want to go with like a smaller body uh, uh, trailer on there. And then with the bigger heads, you know, you can usually uh, go pretty big with those as well. Now, as far as uh, the technique and where you fish these, um, a lot of times, uh, especially starting off in the spring, uh, I'll start off with the white color or sometimes the uh, fire tiger orange color. And uh, I'll fish those around uh, like stumps. Uh, if there's any um, dead weed clumps that I can see in the water, I'll just fish them around there. And usually I'll be either close up to shore or just kind of, you know, slowly retrieving it. Not like hovering off the bottom, but, you know, have a pretty good gentle retrieve. <clears throat> and, um, you know, usually that will do the trick. And I apologize if I sound weird. I've been fighting a head cold for a mm. week as well, too. So <laughs> that's been a lot of fun. Um, but and what, uh, what 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 makes you choose between the uh, like the rage crawl or the over the Kitek? Like when do you you? You said uh, it really depends on your the rate of retrieve that you're going to do. So would you say in the spring you're more often leaning one way or the other or what dictates? Yeah, in the springtime, I usually lean more towards the, uh, the paddle tail just because since I'm going a little bit slower, that tail will kind of have enough a little bit of an action back there to where I don't really have to retrieve it fast 
to produce a lot of action. Um, with the rage tail, it's kind of the same thing too. It just kind of varies on, you know, kind of my mood too. Um, and, but in the springtime, why this one works a little bit more than the rage tail, I think it's just like the presentation and the action. Um, you know, in the spring, the fish are, you know, bulking up for the spawn. Um, they're hungry. They're ready to eat. And I haven't really, um, you know, dove like too deep into this, um, which, you know, this coming spring, I'm definitely going to uh, try out some different things with that as well. But um, I have noticed, though, in the past when I do fish in the spring that the paddle tails usually do work a little bit better because you're mimicking that shad bite. Um, and sometimes, depending on what lake you fish at as well, um, the bluegill may not be as, um, oh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, they haven't really spawned yet, so they may not even be, you know, a primary food source at that time yet either. But, uh, yeah, usually the shad spawn, uh, is what I'm trying to mimic at that time. Gotcha. Um, let's see here. Um. But yeah, um, so, you know, you can fish these a lot like a, um, kind of like a jackhammer. So like, you know, you're fishing grass, weed lines, uh, structure, that type of thing. If, you know, you've got wind and you're throwing a jackhammer and they just aren't having any of it, sometimes switching to a swim jig because it's silent um, will do the trick. Um, I do have a video that I took of my last, my last day out at Banner, um, using, uh, this color swim jig right here. And, you know, I probably spent a good two hours throwing, uh, buzz baits and, uh, jackhammer because the wind was booking pretty good. It was maybe like 12 or so. And, okay. uh, you know, I was like, oh man, the jackhammer bite's probably going to be fire, but it wasn't, you know? And I was like, okay, well, this is kind of interesting. And then as soon as I tied on the swim jig, it was just boom. It was lights on for that. Um, so let me see here if I can show you guys and if you guys will be able to hear it as well. So this is me out at Banner Marsh. So uh, if you're watching this, um, you'll be able to see. But uh, if you're just listening off to my right, there is a shallow area with some lily pads and there's a wind that would keep kind of blowing me in there, but straight off, um, there's kind of like a long channel and it drops down to about 20 foot and probably about five foot in front of me is where it starts to kind of taper down. So about five or six feet in front of me is probably where it will drop down to about six or seven feet. So there's a good pocket kind of right in this area here, if you're watching, um, that kind of has like a little deeper area to it that I'm focusing on because of the weed lines that will grow beneath the surface here. So let's see here if I can get this to work. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. 
Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So I'm casting right into the lily pads and working my way out. Boom. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, I was kind of excited too. I was like, swallowed that swim bait. And I was just like, well, it was a swim jig that had a swim bait on it. (laughs) You know, so, you know, I can understand where some of the confusion lies in that as well. We'll Apologize uh, for the heat of the moment. Yeah, yeah, right. It was just like, it was a swim bait. Oh, yeah, it was a swim jig. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I noticed um, when you first, when you cast, you were doing uh, like a a pump on that, or is that just part of that where that's how you work it? You know, you, retrieve kind of steady and pump every now and then yeah that's actually a good observation so where i was casting was uh a lot of uh submerged uh, lily pads and stuff so it when i would pump it it's because i would either get hung up on something okay um so most of the time when i'm swimming uh when i'm retrieving the swim jigs I'll cast it out there and depending on the time of year um water temperature and whatnot and like depth that I'm trying to aim for will depend on how long I let it fall or how quick I am to retrieve it. So with this one, I would usually cast it out and then let it sink for maybe like a second or two and then start a good steady retrieve. Um, And again, you know, it's a lot of uh, trial and error figuring out where that sweet spot is, um, especially in some of these places like Banner Marsh, because, you know, it's a strip mine. And you've got all these different areas that have different depths and everything. So when you're working uh, from a deeper point going up to shallow, I usually like to visually look for where these weed lines are. And I'll either choose to fish kind of right on top of them or I'll go right next to them. And when I go next to them, I usually let it sink for about maybe four or five seconds and then I'll start my good steady retrieve. And again, you know, it just depends where the fish are sitting that time of day too. I gotcha. So you're either, uh, if you're, you're either skimming the top of the grass or you're mm-hmm. just running along the edge mm-hmm. um, yep. trying to get an ambush strike there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm running deeper, if I feel myself getting kind of hung up a little bit um, and you do this with the jackhammer too, is as you're coming through grass and you feel yourself getting caught up on it, you know, you'll kind of do a little bit of like a jerk. And sometimes that'll also cause that initial uh, ambush strike as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've heard, you know, obviously they say jackhammers are really uh, good for grass, but, and Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's just the type of grass that I tend tend to fish on the river, the the celery or whatever (laughs) what kind they call it, but it, it seems to stick on everything. So mm-hmm. um, if, if I'm fishing and I'm usually, like you said, either I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get in it and rip it out of it. Cause it almost never comes back clean for me. But, 
I'm I'm usually trying to just coast over top of it, or like you said, just uh, parallel it and run it right along mm -hmm. the, the edge where you know so something will come out and hammer it because I just have no luck ripping it through because I never get it back clean for some reason. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I've I've had very similar experience as well. Um, I've never really like gone down the deep rabbit hole when it comes to that like specific technique with running the jackhammer just because usually when I catch fish on it it's usually because I'm doing the same thing what I'm doing with swim jigs you know I'm running either across the top of grass or you know along the edge of it and whether that be you know kind of higher up in the water along the edge or deeper down um type of thing you know sometimes on a cloudy day I'll run it a little bit shallower because those fish are coming out and then a bright sunny day, I'll let it sink down deeper because usually they'll be hunkered down deeper. Uh, deeper. So. Right, man, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like uh, that technique almost suits me better because I tend there. There are some you know finesse te techniques that I I do go slow, but um, I also like you know covering water with a crankbait or something. And I feel mm -hmm. like this is the cover water version of the j regular jig, you know. You can oh, keep yeah. it moving and, and actually not have to just sit there and drag it and pop. It. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they always say if you're fishing, you think you're fishing a jig too slow, slow down. But <laughs> right. and that, that drives me nuts. So if I have something <laughs> that I can just keep moving, I feel like that would be ideal. You know, mm -hmm. um, now when, when you're you are fishing deep, are you trying to like hit the bottom every now and then? Or are you just trying to keep it above the bottom, just right off the bottom? Um, usually the deepest that I'll, that I comfortably and, uh, confidently swim, swim jigs is, uh, my deepest point is probably like, you know, eight foot, but even okay. then, you know, that's kind of pushing it. I usually keep it, you know, higher than that just because of the lakes where I'm at. That sweet spot seems to be anywhere between that two and six foot range. Gotcha. Um, you know, unless, you know, if I'm out there early spring, you know, and things are still pretty cold, then I might try something a little bit different. But that's that's kind of outside my comfort zone and my yeah. knowledge zone, you know, but. Um, so yeah, not really a deep water bait, but but yeah. uh Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. You and you definitely could too. You know, I mean, you can you can get really um, experimental with these as well. You know, um, you could take the skirt off of them and just make them like a a single swim bait type thing, and then just kind of slowly cruise them over the bottom in uh, you know early, mid, and late winter, um, and you know try to mimic um, kind of like a dead and dying fish and just slowly taking it off the bottom um you know and for that you know you could keep it with just the little tail but i know in the winter time the the paddle tail usually um will be just enough to uh to what they're wanting gotcha and then um like how often do you throw regular swim beats just like on a weighted weighted like jig head you know versus the one with the skirt what when mm -hmm. do you change that up like how do you know which those um at least in my uh my local area so like if i'm having a tough time either um you know there's just thick weeds everywhere and i'm getting hung up on everything then most of the time that's when i will switch over to the uh uh to the weedless swim bait here and i've got uh i've got a setup here 
uh, just to kind of give you guys a little bit of an idea what we're talking about here. So this is a unweighted version. Um, so we've got a hook here and it's got a spring lock to it. And then what we can do is you'll just take your swim bait. And again, you know, you can use a Kitek, you can use um, Straight King, you know, whatever brand you want. Get it on the screw lock there. And then feed your hook up through. Oh, this one's popping out on me already. And so then this would be a weedless version of a swim bait. So you've got your hook uh, tucked up under there. Um, so that way, when you're cruising through stuff, you're not getting snagged up on it. And you're likely to get some more bites with that. Uh, a technique that works really good for me, especially when I'm out at Banner, is um, when it comes to like fishing lily pads and heavy matted areas, like I'll look for like kind of holes and open spots and I'll just kind of flip either my uh, weedless swim bait or sometimes I'll even do a really lightly, a light weighted uh, swim jig and just pitch it in there and then let it sink down and then I'll kind of pull it up just a little bit and sometimes on that fall is when I'll get them as well so and it it keeps it a lot more cleaner as well when you use the uh, the weedless versions as well so it just kind of varies you know if you're out there and you're trying the same technique with the same retrieve and it's just not working um you know change it up you know, if you're using a jackhammer and they're just not wanting it, go to something silent like the swim jig. Uh, maybe that's what you what they want at that time. Gotcha, gotcha. So the with the swim bait when you're when you're throwing that, it's usually because that it's it's a little more thicker, or, you know, not quite as uh, weedless as you know, or that where uh, the swim jig might be picking up a little more stuff than mm -hmm. you really want. Okay, gotcha. How about uh, like heavy cover? I'd imagine like I know some of the the one swim jig I have has uh, a pretty good brush guard on it. Mm -hmm. So um, I imagine that's halfway decent around um, heavier cover. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, yeah. but the one other one I have doesn't have any, but it does have a screw lock built in there that I think you could probably rig it somewhat weed this. This actually has a screw lock in the middle of the skirt. It's kind of hard to see, but in the middle of the skirt, there is a screw mm -hmm. lock there. <laughs> yep. So yeah, there's there's different different um, uh, keepers on some of these. You know, it just depends on you know brands and stuff like that. Like this one is kind of similar to like a jackhammer, where it's got like the reverse hook uh, up on the upper part of the hook. Where and then some other ones, like the one you were saying, might have like the the screw lock type head um, type of thing. So um, and then the weed guard, you know, is just simply, simply that it's just helped to kind of deter. What I like to say, you know, is um, it helps deterring like more solid objects than it is weeds. I mean, your, your thicker pads and stuff like that, it does a pretty decent job. But like, you know, with the, the grass and the moss and stuff like that, I mean, you're going to get that everywhere on that thing. Right. Um, whereas, you know, if you're going through like a brush pile, you're more like more likely to uh, fend off um, stuff with uh, with your weed guards on there. So don't but be afraid to throw that kind into the kind of heavy stuff. 
Mm-mm. Nope. So heavy, like I should say, heavy like structure, like branches and stuff. Whereas grass, maybe not so much. Or weeded mats, yeah, that's probably not going to. You come could, very you deep. definitely could. You know, again, it's just you know on you know your kind of skill level, your comfort level, your confidence level. Um, you know, heavier brush and stuff like that. You're not really going to want to rip it too much in there because you are going to be a little bit more likely to get hung up in those situations. Um, but usually, you know, if I am fishing those types of areas, you know, I'll kind of do a little bit slower of a, of a retrieve. And when I feel the, the bait hitting the wood and stuff like that, I'll kind of slow down a little bit. So that way, if I do, uh, start to get hung up if i let just enough slack go then i'll be able to free it a little bit easier gotcha gotcha that's good advice yeah that that's still something i'm still learning is to avoid the the crazy snags by you know i have a tendency of when i start to feel that i pull harder instead right because you think it's you, a fish you're like oh and then you're like god oh, dang it and you need to actually fight that urge i guess a little bit until you learn what it feels like um but yeah Okay, um, and and um, I'm, I saw baitcaster for sure is what you're throwing it on, uh, oh, yeah. kind of um, rod like uh, and and uh, what real speed and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so um, with my swim baits, I generally throw those on a uh, seven foot uh, medium to medium heavy. Uh, mainly because of the heavy, because um, as you guys saw, you know, I'm throwing it into you know lily pads and stuff like that. Uh, and sometimes thicker vegetation, depending on the time of year as well. Um, you know, if I'm kind of more open water, just doing the weeds, then I'll just do like a regular medium. Um, but, you know, well, a lot of times when I'm at Banner, I'm just like, I'm not even gonna, you know, <laughs> risk it. You know, I want to be able to horse them out of there if uh, they decide to take off into the weeds and stuff. Um I usually use a um, 7-3 ratio bait caster. Um and with those, usually I can get away with uh, with about 12 pound um, fluorocarbon. But, um, you know, I've even fished with uh, with braid on them before, too, because, again, you know, you've got crazy weeds, crazy lily pads um, and stumps and everything everywhere. I don't I don't like to mess around at Banner sometimes. I'm just like, I just go big or go home. <laughs> so. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I don't have a lot of uh, grass in the lakes I fish regularly. Now the river is another story. There's a lot of grass in the river, but um, when I fish the lakes, that's one thing, you know, I don't have a lot of experience with is lily pads and, and grass and stuff. Cause my, my lake is a reservoir. So it's mostly rock. And um, uh, there's a few places that I have gone that are like that. And I really struggle because I'm not used to it at all. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I just need to change my game plan for that. I think a little bit and, you know, like you said, beef it up and, and learn how to, you know, get stuff through that. Cause I kind of, when I see it, I kind of shy away from it just because <laughs> it's not my comfort zone, but, uh, I'm sure that's where a lot of the fish in those kind of lakes are, you know, holding that kind of stuff. So. Right. Well, like I'm, I'm the opposite too, you know, when it comes to like deep, clear, rocky reservoirs, like they're foreign territory to me because <laughs> like, that is not what I have around me at all. You know, like if I go somewhere and there's like no weeds or like barely any structure, I'm like, oh God, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
yeah, definitely need to uh, get more experience with that. Uh, trouble is, you know, is uh, traveling quite the uh, the distance to get to those types of lakes. So yeah, yeah, no, that's I face those same challenges. For me to get to my grass slash lily pad lake, it's it's you know forty five minutes to an hour, whereas I have the nice rocky reservoir fifteen minutes away. So I'm oh, always nice. like, eh, I don't want to drive too far, but. <laughs> And then the river kind of has the best of both worlds for me because it's, mm -hmm. it's shallow. The like the deepest part around me, you know, gets you know twenty feet. But mm -hmm. um, for the most part, it's shallow and rocky. But there's also you know flats of grass too that you know. Nice. So I, I can't. I have been slowly learning there. I've kind of been perfecting my grass game there, um, nice. rather than go to the lake. But that's an it, throw current into the mix, and it it it's still a completely different kind of thing than that grassy lake near me because there's no current there so right yeah <laughs> all right well uh so that is the swing jig i'm definitely gonna have to try that out like i said because uh covering water while also you know doing the jig thing seems like you know something i definitely want to check out you know maybe uh you know work my way through the grass a little easier and yeah. not not get so uh, frustrated by that. <laughs> it, yeah, it is definitely a um, a uh, tool that you can use for power fishing. Like if you're wanting to cover a lot of water really quickly, I mean, swim jig is definitely a great way to do that. You know, especially if you're fishing grasses, weed edges, that type of thing. Perfect bait for that. Nice, nice. All right. And the other bait we we're going to talk about, if um, anybody who's listened to this show for any length of time knows uh, the bait I kind of got started with was the Senko or the stick bait. Yes. And, you know, on my local lake where I got started and had the most success was a wacky rated weighted Senko. And um, it is what I threw for like the first year almost exclusively because <laughs> it was the only thing I had confidence in, but it also worked. So... Um, and you can you can rig them a lot of different ways. There's they're they're very versatile bait. Um, so I don't know what, what's your favorite way to rig your senkos or what, what what are you mostly fishing with? My you know it's kind of a close tie between wacky and Texas rigged. You know because just like there are days where the fish want the wacky rigged and then there are days where they want the texas rigged and you know i i think it's like a a dead even 50 50 between the two you know and i mean i i can't complain about either one because both both ways are simply versatile um so I mean, I don't know if one really stands above higher. Well, okay, no, I will take that back. The 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 higher used one would probably be the wacky rig because I can skip that a lot easier sometimes than the Texas rig. Like if I have weight on the Texas rig, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to skip it as good. But uh, yeah, doing the uh, the wacky rigged, skipping it under docks and stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. That's one thing I, I, I hear people talk about docks a ton and, and the lakes by me being privately owned reservoirs, there's no docks. There's like one dock oh. on the lake I fish. So um, I went to a lake last year over or for the, over the summer uh, on a family vacation and they had a ton of the floating kind of barrel kind of docks. Oh, yeah. uh, it wasn't quite the same as the, uh, you know, the good old post docks that you see on all the videos and stuff. But uh 
still i was that was like heaven for me because there was a billion of them on this lake it was a very big lake in down in maryland but uh um yeah my local lake i hear so many people talk about uh, flipping docks and uh, skipping under docks and i just don't have the, anything to do uh anywhere near like that so uh i'm looking forward to going places where i can really try that but i do um use the senko to skip like a lot on the lakes i fish there's a lot of uh overhanging trees that are like mm. right along the water line you know yes right at that height so um that's one thing that uh i i almost you know learned right off the bat was skipping up under those trees and I still can't do it with oh, yeah. the baitcaster to save my life, but I can. Oh yeah, it. I can't either. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. Give me a spinning rod, and I can I can get it oh, deep yeah. under there. But uh, I'm gonna backlash like crazy every time. Oh I'm yeah, yeah, pick. yeah. I've been you know bass fishing for how many years? Uh, yeah, I cannot skip a single with a baitcaster to save my life. <laughs> uh, tr I've tried. I just no. I I can't. Give me give me a spinning reel any day, anytime, and I'll skip that thing like on a dime <laughs> now and i also uh almost right off the bat i started using a weighted a weighted wacky rig hook um just i guess more for patience than anything mm, uh, mm -hmm. not a huge weight like a 16th maybe an eighth uh if i if i was using um like a uh a z-man sometimes since the z-man's a little more buoyant i would bump up to an eighth there but on like Yumdinger has been my my go-to for a long time because they're cheap and they yep. seem to last okay. And uh, so for those, I use like a 16th ounce weighted wacky or wacky hook, and I think the fall. I mean, it, I think that helps with the action because um, they don't have quite as much action as uh, Yamamoto Senko, I think. Um, but when you add that weight to it, I think it helps give it a little bit more action because mm -hmm. it's kind of getting pulled down. So yeah, so. Um, if you guys aren't familiar and you're watching, so this is an example of a weighted uh, wacky hook. So it's got like the, the weight near the top of it. Mine has a weed guard on it. So that's what you see there. Um, and then compared to just a regular wacky hook. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So yeah, those are the two differences if you are wondering. So yeah, I do I do find myself, you know, I'll switch back and forth uh, between uh, weighted and a non-weighted. Um, but in the summer, it's usually exclusively no weight. Just because like the fish, there's just something about that natural slow fall that just gets those fish to bite better than a weighted one. Right. And I think when they're when they're a little more shallow, it makes it a easier, too, because you don't have to wait as long, you know. If, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> some of like the lake I fish um, where those overhanging trees are, it does get to be about five foot deep underneath there. It's not like real shallow. So um, it does take a while if you're just letting it slowly fall. Now, I've mm -hmm. absolutely done it that way uh, for <laughs> sure. And also for the uh, noobs, the real noobs that are listening, when we're talking about wacky rig, what we're saying is usually put that hook 
right through the middle of the worm so that as it's falling, you're getting that shimmy action on both sides uh, of it. And it's just a real natural, like, it's almost like waving as it's coming down. And mm -hmm. uh, yep, just like Susie's showing you there. So um, again, if you are a beginning angler and you're looking for something, anything that is going to get you bites, I can almost guarantee you that if you go out and throw a wacky rig senko on your body of water nine times out of ten like i said that's what i started with and it really doesn't take anything other like you let it you kind of just cast it out the main thing is uh watching your line uh you know because yes. you really got to watch because um you're it's going to be falling on semi-slack line so you got to kind of really be watching your line for little jumps or all of a sudden your line will just start going away and then you know uh, to set the hook so i think that's one of the reasons why it, it is so easy for beginning anglers because it does it the bait does everything for you it, there's no action that you have to impart it's more just you know paying attention and uh, watching for that tick or that bite you know and uh, i think that's you know really a great beginner bait uh, i that's what i started my kids on then um, and it, it worked well, as long as they were keeping it out of the trees, uh, <laughs> I, uh, ended up starting to buy the 20 pack of yum dingers because, uh, they <laughs> definitely were good at, uh, decorating the trees, but you know, I still joke <laughs> with my daughter about that, but, um, I did my fair share too, to be honest, when I first started, but, uh, uh, We've like all I said, been there. <laughs> they, uh, they, they picked it up quickly and, um, it, it works for them too. And like, like we were saying, you can throw it on almost any rod. Uh, you know, it really works, uh, well because you don't, the rod doesn't really impart a lot of action onto it. So, mm -hmm. um, it's not to say there's better rods for it. Uh, you know, as I got, uh, better rods and more sensitive rods, you know, you start being able to feel the bite a little better, even if it's falling on that kind of semi-slack line you can still sometimes if your rod is sensitive enough still feel those bites and not just see them so yep exactly so yeah um i'm gonna go over a few little tricks of the trade as i like to say um you know especially for newcomers so you know uh for example you know let's say you're out on the water and you don't have a weighted um wacky hook you know you're like oh man how am i gonna add some weight to this thing without putting a bullet you know um above your hook so if you have any of these nail weights um you can very easily add some weight to your worm as well and if you're fishing it wacky style i will usually just you know kind of stick it in there right in the middle or another way that you can do it is uh you could actually fish it like a nico rig style. So you'll still rig it wacky style. And then you've got this kind of funny looking weight here. There's no hook to it, but it's got kind of a, um, let's see so as a keeper on it. Yep. Yes. It's got a keeper on it and you'll just put it in the one end. Let's see if I can do this here. Come on. And you've given the end of your Cinco some weight. So that way, when you're um, fishing it, you'll have your wacky hook in the middle still. Get it rigged up here. So then as it falls, it's going to be uh, top heavy on this part here, but you can kind of hop it along the bottom 
And the action of that with that tail fluttering like that is a totally different way of fishing a Cinco or as they call it, a Nico rig. Now they do make like Nico specific um, baits. They've got like a little bit fatter of like a end tail and whatnot, or sometimes both ends might be a little fat, but you can still make it work with just a regular Cinco as well. Yes, yeah, so I, I think I even have some that actually have the weight already in them. I uh, I want to say it's like a called the 48. I forget. I, I picked it up somewhere off of like uh, uh, one of those discount tackle sites in it. Oh, it's, nice. I, I forget who even makes it. And I, I have some up in the garage. But yeah, it actually has the weight already built in. Um, uh, Dan Perry is the first one I've talked to about that. And uh, he, he actually uses it more than he uses a wacky rig, you know, because oh, um, okay. he, 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 uh, you know, sang its praises and <laughs> I still have yet to get the feel as much as I have for the wacky rig, but, uh, I just can't, I, I still don't have a comfort level of what it's doing on the bottom when I'm kind of just working it along, mm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I still haven't quite, uh, you know, narrowed down that, the feel for that yet, but, um, it's something I definitely want to, I think, you know, I just need to you know, stick with it for a little bit. And just like it took me a while to get, you know, the, the wacky rig feel, I think, uh, you know, just need more time on the water with that one. Sure. You know, and, and that's the thing, you know, and even like a debate sometimes too, when it comes to the wacky is, you know, either the technique or the retrieve, you know, with me, when it comes to the wacky, like I'm either going to skip it for that initial like action per se, and then if they're not getting it as soon as it's like done skipping and then sinking down to the bottom, like I'm not waiting around, like I'm going to keep doing that over and over again. Then if that doesn't work, I'm going to kind of go to a different thing. I'm going to, you know, either pitch it or flip it into an area silently if you can. And then I'm going to let it sink, and but I'm not going to twitch it or anything. And then like once I know that it's at the bottom then I'll either do one of two things. I'll either just bring it up really slowly and you'll feel it flutter in your line. And then I'll just let it sink back down again. And sometimes when it comes up and then it flutters back down, sometimes I'll come get it on that time. The other part of that, what I'll do too is um, I'll let it, uh, I'll throw it out and then I'll let it sink. And then sometimes I'll do just like a, just a slight twitch, just not just like you, not like a, you know, twitching type thing, but like, you know, even sometimes just a little crank of your reel will get it to just move just a little bit. And sometimes just that little bit of action will trigger a bite as well. It's, it's so, um, sometimes it can be really particular, um, when it comes to, yeah, what they want, what they want that day, you know, and it's all a matter of just, you know, figuring out, what it was you did that got that first bite and if the rest of the fish are looking for that same bite as well. Right, right. And uh, this is also another bait uh, I bring with me. Uh, I do a week every summer as a camp counselor. And the last couple of years I've been taking all my fishing rods. Uh, Initially, I never thought, you know, I thought, wow, maybe one or two kids would want to fish with me. Uh, the last couple of years have been amazing. Like every day, all my rods are used during option time. It's like, I almost nice. don't get the fish much, but, um, and the Senko is one of the things that I, I kind of tie on most because again, I feel like it works. And usually what I tell them to do is I just tell them, cast it out as far as you can get it, watch it until the line bellows out, you know, then, you know, you're on the bottom, then you hop it up, 
and then let it drop and, and do that the whole way back. And it just works. I mean, they just catch them. <laughs> um, now that lake is like totally unpressured because it's on the camp property and nobody oh, except nice. for campers can fish it. So it's, I love fishing there because <laughs> it's, it's almost not fair, but and there's huge bass there, but um, it, 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 they, it, they catch them on it. And it, so again, great technique and, and it really does work. Awesome. Um, now, one thing I've done there, particularly um, on one end of the lake, it is shallow and with some lily pads and stuff. And the one time I was Texas rigging and almost like jerking it like a jerk bait, like it, I could just, and I used a white worm so mm -hmm. I could see it. I'd cast it out and I'd just pop it and it would go whoop. And then I'd pop it again and whoop, and then just wait for it to disappear. Then I knew as soon as it disappeared that a fish had it in its mouth and then I'd whoop. And then it was again, almost like cheating, but, um, I, it was really an interesting way to learn how that, uh, Texas rig Senko moved. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, it's, I, I, I hesitate to say it's like a jerk bait, but it's really what it was. Cause I was jerking it and it would just shoot and then kind of just kind of, it would make its own way through the water and then basically it, it, like a fluke. Yes. Yes. That's a good way to describe it. Yes. Yep. So yeah, that is actually a way that I will uh, fish a Cinco through lily pads sometimes is, you know, I'll skip it through there. And then if nothing's getting it through the skipping action, then I'll either like toss it like on a lily pad and then I'll just kind of like do quick, like little jerk motions to kind of get it to dart yep. back and forth to give it that different action as well. And that's kind of exactly where I was throwing it there. It was right along like some edges where I didn't want to throw in the really super thick stuff, but I was throwing kind of right on the edge where I could still see it. And mm -hmm. it, it was just working great. So definitely a super versatile bait. And like I said, the, the yum dingers are relatively cheap. The, the, the Senk or Yamamoto Senkos get a little pricier, but yeah. Um, but uh, like I have a bunch here. I, I mean, this uh, and it's hard to tell the difference really. Now the action does look, different um i'm trying to think this is this is a yamamoto senko mm -hmm. this is a yum dinger so again you can see it's it's a little more floppy and then this mm -hmm. is the our one of our show sponsors the 153 baits um and theirs is very very similar to a senko so um and and the senko i think goes for like eight bucks a pack in my neck of the woods the yamamoto's yeah, yeah. they're they can be pretty pipe pricey Whereas yum dingers are like two ninety nine, yeah, and, they're cheap. <laughs> and I think the the one five three baits I got for almost the same price. So, mm -hmm. um, and they, you know, for the most part, you know, the you know, I think some of the the pros probably swear by the Yamamotos, but uh, me being kind of the cheaper, you know, not pro, um, mm -hmm. definitely I get kind of more bang for my buck. I think from you know a twenty pack of yum dingers than i do for one pack of right yeah yeah and there's also something with um like the type of sand or something that they use in the yamamatos as well that make them like what they are um this one is just like a a bass pro uh like yum dinger in a sense you know i think they're a little bit more than a yum dinger um but i've actually been switching over to these just because it's like a sticko i think is what yeah sticko bait yeah, yeah yeah so and i've noticed that they'll last a little bit longer than a yum dinger yum diggers they they definitely do fall apart a lot easier um but that's actually a good segue into my uh trick of the trade is um 
Now, now this takes a little bit of planning beforehand. Um, and actually, I've only been able to find them on eBay, and I don't have any with me right now. But if you want to have your Cinco last a lot longer, go on eBay, look for clear shrink wrap. I'd have to look to see what size. And you can get like a really long roll of it and then, you know, cut it into, you know, your little, you know, like, you know, enough to cover, you know, a certain amount of the bait. And then you'll need like uh, one of the, not like a regular lighter, but like some of the ones that like, have like a, um, what's the word? Um, they have kind of like a, a flame to them. They're like, like a torch. Yeah. yeah. Like a torch almost. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a torch. And, um, what you'll do is when you're getting ready to throw it, you'll slide that sleeve right over the middle of your bait, let it shrink around the bait. That bait will last you almost all day. I was shocked at that trick. I was like, huh. Huh. This so I've is done the uh, I've done the O-ring thing, but I've mm -hmm. never uh, and then they sell like I they call it the wacky rig saddle where it is almost. Oh like yes. A, um, but but um, you know, and I I actually with the umdingers never really used the O-ring much because I'm like ah these are cheap enough I don't mind <laughs> yeah, lose right. them occasionally fast. But if you're throwing Yamamoto's, I would see where mm -hmm. using that tubing, the heat shrink, or you know you know something else that's going to keep it on there. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Uh, is definitely uh, the way to go there. That's a good tip. Yeah, it just it seemed like the, just the way that the the heat shrink would just like shrink and wrap its way around the bait. It was less prone to like falling apart in a sense. I mean, you're still gonna tear it eventually if you're getting you know lots of hits and everything on it. But like it made it last for a long time. I was pretty shocked about that. I was like. Huh, this is a really good trick of the trade. Now, if you know, I could just remember to take all of those things with me because you know, finding a little torch lighter <laughs> sometimes isn't easy thing to do either. And then you're like, well, I forgot everything, so I can't use that today. I was gonna <laughs> so. say, and that might is that so I've that might be something I would try and pre-rig too, like you know, yeah. at least throw a bunch of them, maybe a handful of them in uh, you know, and, and do that before you hit the water. That way you don't yeah. have to mess around on the water too much. Now you usually hook right through the tubing or. Yes. Yep. So yeah, you just, you, you slide the, the tubing through and then you heat shrink it. And then once it's shrunk on there, then you just rig your hook through and everything and you're ready to rock and roll. Nice. Nice. Cause I always heard about that with like the O-rings and stuff that mm -hmm. some people don't even go through the worm. They only go through the O-ring. And then some people go just through the worm under the O-ring. Um, I heard about crisscrossing O-rings, like all <laughs> sorts of different things. And I'm like, yes. holy cow. So. Yeah, uh, it just, you know, it just depends on, you know, your preference, really. You know, I've tried the crisscrossing method before. And I almost felt like that tore into the Cinco a lot quicker than just a regular O-ring on there. I mean, I don't know if that was just, you know, my experience alone or if there's any like solid truth to that. 
but um, I haven't been using O-rings nearly as much as what I used to. Um, You know, I've just been kind of just, you know, I'm quicker to it. And like, I'll have some of them rigged up, ready to go. But then, like sometimes after a while, I'm just like, "Yeah, hey, whatever. I'm just gonna throw." It. Yep, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's how I end it. up more often. <laughs> it's like I ain't got time for this. <laughs> no, I noticed the um, the hooks you were holding up are like smaller. Um, and like Jackson Orr is one person that I know that throws the wacky rig a lot, and he actually throws mm-hmm. it on slightly larger hooks than I would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but I tended, I in my experience, I've gone that the, especially the weighted hook. The weighted hook you had is almost the the exact one I use. I think, yeah. Yep. Uh, for sure. So, uh, and I've had tons and tons of luck with that. And um, I've used a, a bunch of different. I should have had my uh, my uh, terminal tackle box down here, but uh, um, I've used a lot of different uh, sizes of wacky hooks, and um, I've had luck with a lot. I actually happened to get a giveaway or win a giveaway on Jackson's Facebook page. Oh, nice. Um, so I got a few of hit the bigger ones and they really did work out well. Um, uh, I, I just never went back to them after I, cause after I used, I, I think I won two packs and after I burned through them, I was like, Hey, they worked good, but I still have all these other ones. So I kind of went back to using the smaller ones, but um, don't be afraid to jump that up a little bit, you know, especially if mm-hmm. you're not fishing around cover. Now, I, yes. I noticed I tend to get snagged up a little bit more with the bigger hooks when I was fishing around cover. But really, with the little ones, I don't have that problem as much. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's just less there to, you know, kind of get snagged up. Like I've got, let's see here. Yeah, I've got a couple small ones here. So like see if you guys can see it here so yeah that's my bigger size hook and i'll put the other one right next to it you can yeah i'm like backwards right now i can't figure out my left <laughs> or my right <laughs> um but yeah the other one's you know a little bit smaller than that and it's definitely like uh smaller gauge uh metal as well um, between, you know, some of the different sizes. So I don't know if you guys can see that very well. Yeah, no, I, yep. and I, another thing I liked about the Senko is, um, it really got, or, uh, wacky rigging it. It really got me comfortable with casting right up next to something. I oh, purposely yeah. try to bounce it off stuff. Like if I see a, a stump sticking out of the water, I would try and hit that stump and then knowing that it's going to fall right down next to it. And you don't really have to worry. Now, if you're pulling up over, stuff sometimes it will get hung up but as long as you're just hitting it and letting it drop right next to it then a lot of it it really doesn't get snagged that much even Mm -hmm. if you know the like the weighted hook you have has the the you know guard on it but even the the open face hook i i tended not to get stuck a ton you know yeah again yeah it just depends you know the type of cover that you're fishing as well i get hung up all the time but that's because i will skip a cinco into the reeds knowing that i'm going to catch the reeds 90 percent of the time (laughs) but there is that 10 percent of the time where i catch a big fish so it is worth it (laughs) and and sometimes at first i was intimidated with the hook size and the big fish but i can tell you my pb um largemouth which was 20 inches came on one of those tiny little hooks just like that Nice. So, um, it was, uh, I, I, there was a lay down that I just happened to 
you know, I was kind of, I think I actually got snagged on something uh, on the bank and I was like, well, I'm already right up here against the bank. I'm just going to flip over to that uh, lay down that's right there and bam, like nailed it. So um, now luckily I didn't have to drag it too far. Um, that light hook might have, you know, had a problem if I had a, a longer struggle with it, but uh, it, it really, you know, was no problem. And it, I tend to, you know, don't have a ton of fish jump or uh, come off with that hook. Nice. Uh, I, I feel like it, it keeps them on there good and, and it, you know, doesn't require a home run hook set, you know, in my opinion or my experience to, to really keep them pinned. As long as you don't give them slack, you should be good. Nice. The other uh, good benefit about uh, fishing with the Cinco is um, you've got a pretty high rate of uh, catching a lot of dead stick fish. <laughs> If you don't know what dead sticking is, is basically you throw a bait out there and you just, you don't even do anything with it. You're not watching your line. You're not retrieving or anything. And when you go to retrieve, Hey, you've got a fish on the line. <laughs> yep. And then I, there has been so many times where I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to eat a sandwich. So I just yes. tuck it out <laughs> and put it in my rod holder and start eating my sandwich. And then all of a sudden my line's taken off, you know? It, yep. It is totally a do nothing, you know, if you dead stick, uh, dead stick it. I, I forget, I, I was fishing with a buddy of mine. We were having a really slow day and uh, I was like, well, you know what? Uh, maybe we should just go back to the Senko. And so I started tying my, one of mine on and he's um, he had like two rods and had one on it. He put his in the water and then started tying on something else and it just grabbed it and ran right under his boat. <laughs> and he's like, holy crap, I wasn't even doing anything. And uh, yep. so, yeah, it's, it's a great bait for that kind of thing too. If you, you know, you know, you're going to be like, if I get a phone call or something, I'll often just cast it and let it sit while I'm talking. Cause like you said, nine times out of 10, something will just come along and suck it up. And Yep. Exactly. And yeah. If you're fishing a tournament and you're wanting to switch and you're just like, man, I'm going to lose some time changing out baits, throw out your wacky rig, just let it sink and just let it sit. You know, while you're, doing all your other stuff because hey you're still technically fishy so yeah <laughs> yeah and it, it, like i said it's it's definitely um you, what's what kind of rod do you generally throw it on i definitely have my favorite uh rod and i, I was curious what yours is uh so yeah usually when i'm throwing the cinco at least wacky rig style um i'm throwing it on my spinning rod and i actually use a really short rod for this one mine's a six foot nine I believe something like that. Yeah. It's like, it's pretty short. Um, well, at least, you know, shorter compared to, you know, your average, like seven foot rods. Um, but like, I just, I have so much better control of it. Um, and I only fish it on just like a, I think like a medium light rod and then line, I think max I'll use 10, but most of the time I think I usually use eight. That sounds similar to my setup. Now I usually do braid to leader, um, just yes. so I feel oh, like yeah. I can cast a lot farther. Um, yep. And I I use the high vis, high vis braid so that I can watch my line because a lot mm. of times you will see that jump. So I think it's important to be able to see your line if you can. And then yep. I just use like uh, a rod and a half length of leader, so I keep the leader knot out of my reel, mm -hmm. and um, yep. that kind of covers me for the depths that I usually fish. Because it's you know you if you have seven foot plus of leader on there you're gonna uh, you're gonna be far enough away from the main line that the fish probably isn't gonna see it right yes so 
And then I, I actually like um, uh, like an extra fast tip on that. And only because I like to feel, like I said, if I can feel that bite instead of just seeing it, yes. I feel like yep. I get a lot more. And it also helps me to avoid snags. So if I'm starting to pull up on something and I can feel it kind of rubbing, then I know to, you know, go easy on it. So that's, uh, I think, and uh, I have actually a St. Croix. Uh, mojo bass that's uh i forget what the length is but it's a uh medium extra mm -hmm. fast tip and yep. that's that's my sinker rod because it i feel like it allows me to feel everything and uh mm -hmm. really really get a good feel on it so definitely yeah i think my i've got a saint croix avid oh, wait what is my sh short one what is that one um Golly, you know, I can't, or yeah, I think it's the Avid X. Okay. Uh, yeah, spinning reel. I've got two of them that are the same length that I can never remember what that other one is. It's a green one. That's all I've, I've had it for like 10 years and I keep forgetting <laughs> what the darn thing is, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, I have, um, I've got like a, a lighter Fluger on one of them. And then um, I just got a, a Daiwa, um, is it the Fuego? I think that's right. Yeah, Daiwa, yeah, Fuego, um, which I really like. Um, so those are usually my uh, my two go tos when I'm uh, uh, doing my spinning reels. Now, when I Texas rig with a Cinco, um, I will actually use my bait caster for that one, just because you know I've got enough enough of like a weight to it. Sometimes, like I'll fish with a weight on there, mm -hmm. or I'll add like maybe like a. Um, like a nail weight to it or whatnot, but usually I have better control uh, using a bait caster when I'm Texas rigging it. And it was interesting when I talked to uh, Fluke Master, Gene, Gene Jensen, when I mentioned about using a Texas rig without a weight, he's like, that's not Texas rig. <laughs> <laughs> he was very particular and very, very made it matter of fact that he doesn't consider that to be the same thing. I'm like, okay, interesting. All right, well. But it is. It, it kind of to me texas rig is you know the way the work the hook is in the worm but um mm -hmm. for some reason i i'm not wasn't sure what he what he didn't like about that but <laughs> it was almost like ah don't don't bring that up but i was like okay okay yeah, so, well you know potato potato <laughs> right 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 i'm, I'm not going to argue with him because he has caught right. way more fish than i have so. oh yeah <laughs> awesome um uh any other uh anything else you want to add on the senko i mean I, I super, I highly encourage anybody who's just getting started to give that a try because that is about as easy as it gets. Like I said, uh, um, I don't know of anything that I would recommend above that just because that is yep. what, that's what got me hooked when I started mm -hmm. doing that. I mean, I spent quite a while messing around with other stuff and then I, somebody happened to mention that to me, oh, why don't you just try this? And then almost the first time out, I, I had success with it and then. <laughs> Oh man, that was all I threw for a long time because uh, I was like, well, it worked and it just kept catching me fish. So, um, it definitely works and it's easy and, um, you know, uh, I can't say enough about it. Good about it. But. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing with the, uh, the wacky rigs is, uh, the spring, um, uh, spring screw lock there we go screw lock yeah, yeah yes on uh on the hooks is uh definitely you know um a thing to consider 
Um, just because, you know, I think it holds the bait on there a little bit better than just your, you know, your typical going through or whatever. There's more like stuff that's like hanging onto your bait. I like to use the bigger size uh, screw locks on here just because, again, it's more uh, like metal that's grabbing onto that bait, which is, you know, going to have le the lesser amount of chance for it to either slip off or slide off or that type of thing. Um, now, you said that's for a Texas rig? Yeah, Texas okay, rig. Okay, okay. I thought you said wacky rig at first. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I might have accidentally <laughs> said wacky I was like, rig. that one I definitely haven't heard. I was like, <laughs> wow, how's that work? Yeah, so yeah, you just uh, screw the one end on. And then you just take it. Come on. There we go. And then you just tuck in the tip of the hook. And there you go. You got a nice Texas rigged, Texas rigged Cinco. Definitely, definitely. And um, I, I actually started buying those screw locks on like eBay and uh, AliExpress because you can get a crap ton of Oh, yeah. They're for, super cheap. Yeah. Right, right. And so I just have like a bag of like 200 in my <laughs> pack of box that... You know, I'm never going to probably use all those, but, uh, you know, it, it does make it nice. Uh, same for swim baits, too. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, uh, it really holds them well. Um, and you're not constantly every time you when you reel in, you're not constantly readjusting your bait. It just stays where it's supposed to. So, yep, exactly. Now, one thing it doesn't work super great on is uh, um, Z-Man baits. Uh, yeah, Z-Man, yeah, that that material is just, it's odd. <laughs> yes, it, for whatever reason, it, it screw locks and Z-Man don't mix. Um, if you if you do have a Z-Man, you're better along, better with the, any kind of keeper where it's the kind of push on and, you know, slide past. Yeah, but uh, yeah. if you're, if it's regular material, you know, it really does help keep it in place and keep you from having to readjust, readjust it all the time. So. Yep. Exactly. Good deal. Good deal. Awesome, Susie. Well, uh, we're past our hour mark. So oh. I, you know, we are doing really well. Um, uh, tons of great information. Um, so I guess we can probably start wrapping it up. I wanted to give you a chance. Um, when can we expect the outdoor woman show to come back? I know uh, it's, it's super popular and you know, I love hearing all the ladies that come on your show. I mean, it, I, I kind of want to snag as many of them as I can. <laughs> right. They're... Yeah. You know, I've actually had uh, some people ask me about that too. You know, I did want to get it started back up in October, but uh, just some things haven't worked out, um, you know, personally or whatnot. But, uh, and I know the podcast is going to be taking its, um, Christmas break here soon. Uh, <laughs> I'm not so looking forward you... to that. I promise. <laughs> Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm hoping to, you know, get back on track and, uh, you know, get started. And um, I think I'm going to start off doing maybe like once a month type thing starting in January. Um, but then like, you know, once the season gets going and everything, then I'm hoping to do like an every other week type of thing. So, yeah, yeah that's the nice thing about the amount of guests that we have now is it really does give you a little bit of uh, kind of uh, options for how often you, you can make it on. Mm -hmm. So, um, as we, as paddle and fin grows more and more, that's one of the added benefits. Um, you know, uh, in addition to just having 
you know, so much more content. I mean, with the mindset and the, the bass thumbs fishing now, uh, uh, off the waters and due to stuff. I mean, it's just there. We, we've, we're covering so many more things now. Um, and Brad, Pearl Boss's uh, Fur and Feathers. So mm -hmm. it's just, uh, it's it's awesome to see how we've grown. But um, it also takes a little weight off us because, you know, we don't have to have uh, quite the number of content that we might have had to in the past. So Right. Yep, exactly. <laughs> well, cool. I, um, I look forward to that. Um, I do miss hearing you and, uh, and the Outdoor Island show. But um, uh, I know you've been doing a ton of stuff behind the scenes with the uh, with the uh oh uh the trail series yes the trail series mm -hmm. yes you were a big player behind that and so thanks for all your work you put into that um yeah. how about uh sponsors and stuff do you want to give a shout out to um anybody oh uh, yeah most definitely um so uh quest water sports out of ottawa illinois they are my uh hobie dealer uh, Bassett Bates, uh, the maker of my uh, very special uh, swim jigs that I've been showing you guys. Um, catch products. Uh, gosh, I'm probably going to skip. There's been some. some awesome videos with catch, oh, by the way. I know. I know, right? I'm super jealous. It's just like, I mean, I was glad I got the salmon video, but I'm like, I want to do more. <laughs> Um, let's see here. So you have catch products, uh, Kissler rods. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. <laughs> it's been a while since I've done a, done a plug on, uh, sponsors, but, uh, yeah, I'm probably for it. Uh, yeah. She angler custom baits, uh, Miss Mail Isaac, uh, you know, she does an awesome job, uh, custom painting, anything, you know, jerk baits, crank baits, even replicas, like it looks like it's real. So yeah, if you're wanting to do like a replica type thing, hit her up. Um, and I think that's, I think that's the majority. I mean, of course, you know, paddle and fin as well. Uh, Dakota, Lith <laughs> Dakota oh. Lithium. That's right. I forgot about that. I knew I was forgetting one. So. <laughs> cool. Well, um, thank you again so much for coming on. You're welcome. Um, I love having you back as always. Uh, happy to have the queen back on and gracing <laughs> us with her knowledge. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Always and a pleasure. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks again for tuning in to the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, This, um, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Have a good night, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.